0: Hey everyone, Mike from The Turn Podcast here with a quick update. You may have noticed the recent flood of episodes we've released, and if you're happy about this, please thank our new producer. They've been helping me get all these recordings that we have turned into finished episodes for you all. And I'm also happy to say that this is where all of the profits from your patron donations and t-shirt purchases are going. Even the past ones. We never spent any of that money, other than what it costs to host our episodes online or to ship out the merch. The only thing is that we will at some point, and at this rate probably in the next six to eight weeks, uh, we will run out of money. I want to continue paying our producer a decent wage, so if you'd like to contribute to that and get longer versions of our regular episodes, as well as extra episodes, please sign up for our Patreon at patreon.com slash turnleftist. It's only a dollar a month, or whatever amount you'd like to contribute. Basically, we're happy to continue putting in the time to prepare and record episodes and pass on the proceeds to our producer, and hopefully get them out of their barista gig sooner rather than later. So if you'd like to, and it's not a financial inconvenience for you, please help us do that. All of this is, of course, if you're fortunate enough to have such a thing as disposable income. And as always, if you sign up to the Red Nation Patreon and show us, we'll give you access to ours as well. Again, they're not affiliated, we're just big fans. And the same goes for our guest on this episode, Sophia Syntax. Signing up for her Patreon will get you access to ours. You have to DM me, though. It won't be automatic. Uh, One last thing is just a note about this episode. Our guest had some microphone troubles, so just a forewarning about some skipping in a few spots. The majority of the important discussion was unaffected, though. Thank you as always comrades.
1: Those communists are amazing.
0: Hi everybody. Welcome back to Turnless Podcast. I'm Mike, he him, and tonight I'm here with Jaron, he him, and Sophia, say hey, them, from the Anger Podcast, the A N G R podcast. You can find it on all the podcast platforms. How you doing, Sophia?
2: I'm just so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Glad to have you. So yeah, I mean, you were seemed like the perfect guest to have. I listened to your podcast a bunch of times and uh, I wanted to talk about land back and decolonization for a while now, and I couldn't think of anybody better to have. So that's going to be the topic at hand tonight, and I don't have a whole lot of uh, notes. I just have this article that I would like to read a bit about, and I wanted to get into basically some of the, these questions that I have about Land Back, because it's something that obviously is a hot topic left leftist spaces, and it's like an oddly contentious issue when I, when I feel like it should not, and it's, like, uh, it, it's really weird that way. But before I get into it, let me just have you go ahead and plug your podcast and your social media, Sophia, before I uh, start rolling with all this stuff.
2: Oh, I thought you'd never asked Mike. So I'm yes. Kojo, Sophia Syntax, and addition Akash. Kaj. I'm Sophia Syntex. You may remember me from reading my blog, Two Sex for Context, or from listening to me from the Anger, Angry Indian Girl Radio podcast. I used to do the Angry Indian Girl Radio show, which is a radio show at my college. And about to, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic last year, I had been percolating on the idea of doing this podcast for a while. Because I often find myself the only Indigenous person in a lot of spaces, particularly being in academia, and I find myself answering the same questions all of the time. Mm. And it's kind of funny that you said that you thought of me immediately. Uh, that makes me super happy because that's totally on brand for me. <laughs> like I, I advertise myself as: if you need an Indigenous friend, if you don't have an Indigenous friend, I'm your Indigenous friend now. Because nice. you know the thing is. As you guys might know, um, genocide works. It works really, really well, especially in the United States, where so much time and energy has been put into annihilating my ancestors and our culture, our language, our way of life. You know, we make up like less than 2% of the population. So it doesn't surprise me when people say, wow, I've never met a Native American or First Nations person before. So that was sort of the impetus for why I started the podcast, because I was like, well, you know, I'm very angry. I have a lot of issues, and honestly, it just kind of got to the point where I wasn't getting invited to parties anymore because I was such a buzzkill. Because it was always coming back to, well, you know, it was capitalism all along. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> womp, like, I do I guess I'll make a podcast. So here we are. <laughs> um, so you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at a n g r podcast. I also have a Patreon. Um, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. You know, let's. Let me give you the free tidbits and see if you really <laughs> like me. If you decide later, you can head on to, order to So, <laughs> As long backs, as you're
1: not yeah. secretly uh, an ANCAP, I think we're going to like you. Yeah, right? What's that? <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, that's and, a lot of I don't even know what, what they are. Yeah.
0: <laughs> lucky you for not even knowing what that is, but they're anarcho-capitalists. That's a whole sham. Don't worry about it.
2: Uh, oh, yeah. No, I will never Google that. Um, I have to say I don't read a lot of theory. Um,
0: because I'm indigenous.
2: So, I mean, <laughs> you know, people ask, like, when were you radicalized? I came out the womb radicalized. Everything I do as I'm from the Anishinaabe tribe, which is also known as Ojibwe or Chippewa. Uh, we're in the land that is currently known as Michigan in the United States and Canada. We're also extended in some areas like Minnesota, but I'm specifically from Michigan. I'm a proud Michigander. So, yeah, like I said, everything that I have ever done has been political. And I remember being five years old and coming home from kindergarten and being super excited and telling my mom, like, I can grow up to be anything. And my mom walked over to our, like, Bee Gees that we bought with the green coupon books encyclopedia set, pulled it out. And it was a picture of the, I think it was 33 presidents at that time. <laughs> I don't know. It was many, many years ago. And she mm. said, take a look at these pictures. Take a look at this picture and tell me, what do you see? I said, well, they're all men. She says, right. Are you a man? No. I said, okay. I said, well, and they're all white. And she said, right. They're all white. You don't see any, you don't see any indigenous people in there. And I said, they all have really nice clothes. And she says, right. So they all have money. They're all white, rich landowning males. Do you really think that a little brown, poor girl like you can be the president? And when I tell people that story, they're like, wow, that's so like harsh of your mom, but like is it though?
0: <laughs> no, it's ripping the bandit no. off early. Like not disillusioning <laughs> exactly. your kids from the womb. Like it's good.
2: Right. And just, it's been like my whole life. I guess when you grow up, I didn't grow up on a reservation. I'm an urban Indian. I grew up in Flint, Michigan. You know, the one with the poison water. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So what do you do when you grow up in Flint? You move away. Yeah. So <laughs> I grew up in Flint and I remember as a kid, like, We did a science project where we had to gather. We had to go and gather things outside, uh, specimens for like leaves and plants. And in my culture, we don't take from the earth without offering a gift, which traditionally is tobacco. And you have to remember now, I was in school in the 90s when the war on drugs was really active, just say no, dare. So mm-hmm. we had a no-tolerance school. We weren't allowed to have tobacco. And my mom went to the school and explained, like, listen, you're asking my daughter to do this thing, this gathering, and she can't do that. I was just saying she heard pronouns at that time. Um, my kid can't do that. So, like, you know, what are we going to do? And the, the school was, you know, very adamant that, no, I couldn't offer the tobacco because that was drug use. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was not a spiritual practice. That was drugs. And... Right. You know, so then they the I couldn't not do the assignment because that would be a failing grade, and if I didn't participate, so what we decided with the meeting ground was that I would point to things, and uh, my classmates would gather the specimens, and I would receive my credit that way. And my mom was like, "Just don't worry, we're gonna we're gonna make offerings before you go to school, and after you (laughs) come from home, we'll do it at home."
0: You know, I, I know it's the ancestors are gonna
2: understand. So like, this has been my life growing up you know I followed traditional native beliefs and my mother told me you know if people ask you what your religion is because it was like really popular at my school people asked me what my christian name was and uh she was like just don't answer those questions because you have to remember up until my mother's lifetime 1974 i think well um the freedom of native american religions act we couldn't even mm-hmm. practice our own religion in the country that we are in and now I get to see, you know, these Instagram, which is buying sage smudge kids at Sephora. So, yeah, I'm a little mm-hmm. angry. I'm a little angry. Um, which <laughs> circles me yeah. back to land bag. It doesn't surprise me that, um, like I said, I don't go into leftist spaces. You guys are like the only really leftist podcast I listen to just because I find oh, them yeah. to be so overwhelmingly white. And I'm at a yeah. point in my That's life. <laughs>
0: I mean, which we are as well, but, like, because fair. I don't hold it against you. I don't – and actually, you know, I tell people, like, I have
2: white friends. I'm going on this podcast. They're all white. I'm pretty sure they're all white. So, like, I'm obviously not racist. I have white friends on the internet. So don't clock me.
1: As we all know, that's um, valid argument.
2: Right? I'm just – I'm just serving what I was served my whole life. So, um <laughs> – I'm a little salty.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, you know, that situation you described at school is like, it's a perfect microcosm for exactly what you're talking about, which is just this, the audacity, the caucasity, if you want, (laughs) of these people, these settlers to Mm -hmm. come in and then impose this situation on you that they're totally making up onto you, onto like an entire group of people who were doing fine, doing what they were doing for hundreds of thousands of years, and then just totally fuck up your life with these makeup rules and everything like yeah we're gonna put you in school and we want you to collect herbs which is like goes against religion and you can't bring the tobacco it's like fuck off just like fuck off like and that's what land back is i guess right just fuck off settlers
2: just right and so i don't know if you are guys are familiar at all and if you're not please rush don't don't walk run to the nearest place where you can watch hulu reservation dogs on hulu fantastic and there's a line in the it's I can't remember now. Oh my God, I'm on the spot. I don't remember if it was Rutherford Falls or if it was Reservation Dogs, but there's a spot in the beginning of one of these shows where it's two white people in like an old Chevy. It's like old retirees and they're driving through the reservation and they see this graffiti that says Land Back. And the woman's like, Land Back? What does that mean? Okay. Oh no, 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 no. It's the man. It's the man because the white woman was on our side and he's like, Land Back? What does that mean? And she's like, "Well, it means Earl that they want their land back. What do you (laughs) think it means? It means exactly what they say: land (laughs) back. Always hard to understand about that." He's like, "What supposed to do? Just give them the whole damn country? Oh my Earl!" And then she like ends up getting into a fight with them. And I'm like, "Yes, see, that's what I'm. That's why I keep making my (laughs) podcast because, like, if I can get the white women on my side, I will be unstoppable."
1: (laughs) I mean that that actually has a lot of fucking basis. (laughs) <laughs> Honestly, like, <laughs> yeah, white
0: women in large numbers, I mean, they do a lot shade, of things.
2: No shade, no shade, like, for legitimate, like, listen, we already know that black women are magic, okay? And they are literally the canaries in the coal mine. Like, if I see people being noir, I just don't even deal with them because I know they're not going to respect me. They're going to respect me up to the point that they realize that I'm a minority because I have white path- passing privilege as a light skinned native that my dark skinned and like Afro Indigenous people do not have. So I get to occupy a lot of spaces with white people. And you would not imagine the messed up stuff that white people say when they think that nobody else is around. And I oh, get to I've hear all it. that. I've I'm like a little it. ethnic spy. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, no, you didn't. So yeah, land back. It's exactly, it's exactly what it sounds like. You know, it's this idea that the, the relationship between us and Mother Earth is symbiotic. And we have to reclaim this worship. You know, I am I was taught that you don't inherit the land from your ancestors, you're borrowing it from the next seven generations and the
1: mm-hmm. way that
2: we as indigenous people, I think and I say indigenous and I, I want to stop here because I think, and the article mentioned this I think at some point at that oh no, or maybe this is something else I read, I don't know I'm all over the place today, sorry, Fine. I want to stop and make this point that when I say indigenous I am very much being inclusive of all indigenous populations across the world, there is sometimes a a tendency as North American first nation natives to center ourselves as indigenous people. But I would like urge us to go even one step beyond that because our liberation as black and Brown people in the Americas can't come without the liberation of indigenous peoples everywhere. And that means my Aboriginal people in, you know, in Australia, the Maori in New Zealand, like we need it all because when we look at areas where there's indigenous stewardship, we don't see these climate disasters. It's crazy. It's all like, again, capitalism is the problem. <laughs> you know, it's well, not. People say humans are a disease, and I take a lot of offense to that because we are not the disease. Indigenous people have not lived in
1: harmony.
2: Yep. Yes, we have lived in harmony with this planet for generations, and it was only like in the last couple of decades since industrialization happened and we totally disregarded the planet and treated it as this dead thing. Yep. You know, oh my God, you know, I can I can feel the colors of the wind coming. <laughs> <laughs> it's not this uh, dead thing you can claim. I'm a caricature of myself.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I I could go off on all of this infinitely. So I'm not going to take up too much of the time. But like the the borrowing land from the future thing is so fucking important. And like it it speaks volumes that like. I had the the honor and privilege of meeting Winona LaDuke several times who works, she's a, a Sioux Indian and she is fucking amazing. She is a boss. She was Ralph Nader's VP and uh, she's been at the center of the fight for clean water in the Dakotas for like, God, 20, maybe 30 years. I, like since she was like fresh out of school, she's just a queen. And it speaks so many volumes that like, you know, we see something like the January 6th insurrection and they do nothing but then you have these people who are saying like we just want to maintain these resources to use them responsibly to to source them and and allocate them responsibly and treat it with just a bit of fucking respect and they get the entire US military deployed on them yeah you know yeah. It, it speaks volumes it even speaks volumes that like someone like Ruth Bader Ginsburg who's a liberal icon employed doctrine of discovery against a native tribe in like 2004, you know, like, like literally that's, that's people think we've come so far from these, these ideas of genocide and racism and forcible physical suppression. And the truth is from the Supreme court to the Pentagon, we have not, it's been the same shit the whole fucking time.
2: Yeah. 100%, 100%. My aunt was forcibly sterilized in a residential school And, you know, she's one generation removed from me. She went in for a UTI and it wasn't until years later when she was trying to get pregnant and was having fertility struggles that she finally went to a doctor and they were like, you don't have a uterus or you don't have these parts, you know, like you, they, you've been sterilized. Like, you know, this is happening. And I think right now there's a big problem with murder and missing indigenous women, particularly in Canada. And when you look at the land rights and the treaty rights, and you see like most of these societies are matrilinical. And when you begin to realize like they're killing us, they're literally killing us because they don't want to honor these treaties. And I'm done with it. I'm tired of it. I don't have the patience for it anymore. And I just like, I get so tired of people. I'm like, well, it's really hard. It's really hard to listen to you you're just so angry. Your tone is so angry. <laughs> so that's, what you know, now I, I pop in the cutesy little sound effects on the podcast and I hope it makes it more palatable.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's like really other people are just not angry enough. And you know, yep. we can talk, I put in here that we can talk about some of the other most recent issues that have been in the news lately. Like um, the residential schools, is obviously a big thing. I think I was listening to, I don't know if it was the Red Nation podcast or the Red Power Hour and they were talking about that show you just mentioned, Sophia. And they were talking about, I think, that exact scene where they see the Land backs on. And um, <laughs> what I want to do tonight is to try to answer these questions that I have going into the study of Land Back just in general. I think a lot of other leftists and newbie leftists will have similar questions. Things like, what is Land Back actually? And what does it look like in practice? Because as much as we can you know, talk about, like, let's just ship all the settlers back to where they came from and whatever... You know, daydreams we may have. Like, there's a way to <laughs> actually do that in practice, and what it would actually look like. Because the next thing I want to address is why are the the fake socialists? And I'm specifically naming people like Vouch or um, who's the other I, one? Like I, I, the I, I, patriotic socialist. It's like um, what's his name? Grimes. No, um, Jason <laughs> Jackson Hinkle. J- Jackson Hinkle, I believe. Is, there's somebody who's trying to like co-opt patriotism for the left in America, and it doesn't make any sense because. Patriotism you. in America is a white settler, white nationalist fat project, and that not that is antithetical to socialism. <laughs> but there are leftists, or I'm using air quotes right. here, there are quote unquote leftists who are the settler white leftists who claim that land back or decolonization is like a racist thing. And it's the same kind of method of thought that's like now that I'm seeing popular on the internet where they're trying to act like cracker is a slur. Or that being that like saying <laughs> shit about white nationalism and saying it is bad is anti-white or it's racist against white people because that is their new method. They're just trying to co opt victimization. And so I want to talk oh, about that, why they, are, why they are wrong to label uh, land back or decolonization as racist or anti-white. And then, Sophia, I mean, <laughs> I have a feeling you're going like, to be able to go off on any of these. We may not even need to read an article <laughs> at all, but like, God damn it. the next thing I have was what is the wrong way to support decolonization? Like hashtags, anti-symbols. Oh, I have symbols so, and
2: many, so many suggestions for that one. Yeah,
0: um, And then what is the right way, of course? And then I want okay. to talk about wrap it up at the end. We'll talk about like what national org people can seek out because hopefully people listening to this will be spurred to action and they will seek out a national or a local organization if they can. And so we'll wrap it up that way. But um, we could start off. Let's just read some of this article if we could. And I took this from the the People's Anti Colonial Press, and I found this article actually in the Discord server for the uh, Dixieland the Proletariat podcast because they they're another great resource for land back and decolonization issues. So love them. So this is called. Land Back and Revolutionary Socialism, from the, like I said, the People's Anticolonial Press Collective. And uh, let me just read the intro here, and then I'll hand it off to you, Sophia. So they say, recently we have witnessed the commodification of Land Back through non-profit marketing campaigns. We've seen the rejection of Land Back and its connection to indigenous and black national liberation by, quote, patriotic socialists in the imperial core. Within indigenous communities and among anti-communists, we have also witnessed the rejection of the science of Marxism-Leninism as the pathway to Land Back. In this momentous struggle for liberation, for the future of humanity, and for the survival of the Earth, the fight for land back must be founded on and retain an anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist orientation. Base as fuck. So then the rest of this article looks like they wrote this on November 24th, 2021, so not too long ago. And yeah, you can take it away, Sophia. And then at any point, if you want to stop and discuss any of this, feel free. <laughs> All
2: right. So I'm glad I was so lost in the game. I didn't realize that that was like a sidebar. I was like, what am I, the, am I the wrong article? I really, truly do not know how to read. So. <clears throat> Bear with me. <clears throat> Here we go. In the last decade, we have seen an upsurge of struggle in the land back movement, an indigenous-led continental movement in the so-called United States and Canada that clashes against five centuries of settler colonialism. This development has found expression in the defense of land and water in 2016 at Standing Rock against the fossil-fueled Dakota Access Pipeline and in Anishinaabe Territory in northern Minnesota and Michigan against Inbridge Pipeline 3 and Line 5. Yes, that's my tribe. So let's take a moment, put some respect yeah. on the Anishinaabe tribe's name. Thank you. We've also seen uprisings among the Mashpee Wampanoag of Massachusetts and eastern Rhode Island, and the Wyatt people in California's Guadaluwak Island to reclaim their stolen lands. I'm sorry if I mispronounced that one. Uh, that's one I've only ever seen, but never no, Sorry. We've also seen uprisings among the Mashpee Wampanoag in Massachusetts and eastern Rhode Island, and the Wyat people in California's Gulliwa Island. To reclaim their stolen lands among the adult. oh, Yeah, I have to with that one too. How <laughs> did Yeah, if I have any of my cousins from those nations, please uh, hit me back later because yeah, that's how the people from the six nations of the Grand River to shut down settler encroachment on unceded territory. So I just want to take a pause here, and I just want to say I feel like what land back is in the most like, the simplest terms. Mm-hmm. We would just like the settlers to honor the existing treaties because there mm-hmm. are so many treaties that y'all are in violation of right now. Like so many lands that you already promised us, but as soon as you find something that you want, like water or uranium, like mm-hmm. those treaties go out the window. So like if we could start there, just honoring the treaties that already exist, that would yeah. be fabulous. But I digress.
0: Well, I mean, <laughs> we—I that actually makes me think like, I'm sure someone has already come up with a map of just all the treaties that the U.S. is currently in violation of and then what the territories of the U.S. would look like if the U.S. were to suddenly just honor their word. Just the simplest thing okay. for our infographic liberals out there that would make a good representation of what the bare minimum of land back could be. But yeah, <laughs>
2: The bare minimum. Just do what you already said you would do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's innately tied to... It's impossible to compare the struggles of... of two groups of indigenous peoples in different places but it's very comparable in a way to when we look at the the map of israel when you see when you say israel and there's the map of israel but it it has in it gaza it has in it the west bank and the west bank borders including the Jigjara, is still under siege right now you know yeah. um and and we don't look at those borders as being legitimate because we are told not to, we are taught not to Israel is taught not to. the United States is taught not to It's the very same thing with uh native lands and reservations and what is supposed to be yours
2: absolutely, yes, I had a very awkward uh situation when I was at an international conference recently, and a a presenter from Tel Aviv was going really hard on like pro zionist love tangent and they looked at me for support and they're like right and i was like i'm indigenous yeah um, <laughs> no you know like not, like to me that that says everything and like when i tell people like when i meet people i'd say i'm indigenous i am ojibwe first and foremost above everything that influences everything about my worldview it tells you everything you need to know about me honestly i am gonna look at you sideways if you have a dream catcher i kind of like it when white people have dream catchers because it lets me know like warning danger robinson danger robinson like watch out. <laughs> This is someone yeah. who thinks they're woke, but they really aren't. But yeah. maybe they but bought it from a, a shipwaters. And so, like, I'm always, I'm like, oh, that's really, that's really cool. Where'd you get that? You know, and if they got it from, like, an legitimate place, then cool, we can be friends. But if they got it from Urban mm-hmm. Outfitters, <laughs> probably not going to be friends. But, yeah, just bare minimum, like, do what you already said you would do <laughs> yeah. in terms of the treaties. Um, back to the article. The indigenous nations of British Columbia have mobilized to stop the Trans Mountain Pipeline and mobilized in the massive and ongoing shutdown Canada blockades in support of the Wet'suwet'en. Oh, that! No, I messed that one up. I'm sorry. I went to their Instagram page today, too, and looked at it, The Wet'suwet'en people. I'm so sorry. I guess the construction of a national gas pipeline through their territory. But hey, you know what? For real, Mike, it's way better if I butcher it. Like, like, we can do that.
0: That's why I was happy to let you read this one, Sophia. I usually read, but I'm happy to let you take this one.
2: We <laughs> can't. You <laughs> um, And again, my cousins in those nations, I do apologize. Please come through. I've got tobacco for you to teach me the right way to say your names. I want to put respect on those names. But <laughs> continuing on. This upsurge is part and parcel of the fight against the economic and political crisis of a capitalist system in D.K., Full stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I like this article. Like, they don't pull any punches here,
2: right? Yep. I mean, like, obviously, what y'all is doing is not working. It is not working. So we mm-hmm. need to do something different. The contaminations of the waters and the land, the centuries-old dispossession of indigenous nations, the brutality perpetuated by the police and military forces against land defenders and water protectors are all inherent to the pursuit of profit. Underlying the capitalist order and oppression of colonized peoples under the yoke of imperialism.
0: So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like your, your fist just goes up when you hear that. It's like. Yeah, it's like, that's I can't even read it. I get too
2: excited. I get too worked up. I'm like, yes. Yes, I know this is probably a white person who wrote this, but I'm here for
0: it. I mean,
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. I never, I never stopped. This is why I had to get a podcast. I never stopped.
0: I, mean, I know exactly how you feel.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, you know. The other day I was in a book club. At, I, I'm in a book club, obviously. Of course I am. And I, I, I'm i happy because it's a pretty radical book club. And we've been doing this like not so serious read harder challenge. And all of the books are like minority, black, Asian, other voice, you know, original voices. I'm like, yes, this is what I'm here for. If I have to get one more book like must read list and it's got Catcher in the Rye on it, I'm going to I'm going to scream.
1: <laughs> so, I've always
2: hated that <laughs> book. It's not good it's not well written, but I digress.
0: I just recently English, sorry. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, I, I I know. I I'm I, yeah. Okay, we're not gonna touch catch on the ride. We're having a good day. We're <laughs> gonna get back to the, get back to my life. Recently we have witnessed the commodification of land back through nonprofit marketing campaigns. We have seen the rejection of land back and its connection to indigenous and black national liberation by patriotic socialists this is in air quotes, in the Imperial core Within indigenous communities and among anti-communists, we have also witnessed the rejection of the science of Marxism-Leninism as the pathway to land back.
0: In this momentous struggle for liberation, the future of humanity, and for the survival of the Earth, the fight for land back must be founded on and retain an anti-capitalist and anti-imperialist orientation. Sophia's mic cut out for a second, sorry.
2: So what does this look like in practice? I am really tired of seeing, like, Land back as a commodity like bumper stickers or whatever that are not coming from indigenous artists, something that I have personally seen in my social networks. I'm friends with a lot of indigenous artists and bots have been combing through their Twitter feeds or their Zazzle, whatever shops they're using, and then Mm -hmm. stealing their images. And then you find them on these third party websites. And it's, like, land back, the feather, or the arrow. I've seen this happen to a couple different artists, and it's always the same thing. It's always some, like, third-party designer company from China that, like, you can't actually shut down. You send complaints to, they don't take anything, and they just, like, take these profits, they steal these artists' work. And that is so irritating to me. Like, y'all really just can't let us have anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's (laughs) fucked up, because, I mean... I could see how easily that would happen too. like just fucking bots. Like you're saying, just scraping all these images from original artists and everything. And then just putting it on a sticker, putting on a fucking t-shirt and just slapping it out there because they have the website set up to do it already. Like
2: the most egregious part of this particular art, the stock image photo that they had with it was like these two little toe heads, super blonde kids. Okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, read the room bots, read oh, the God. room. <laughs>
0: Uh, That's as bad as when I was, I remember being a kid and I went to a flea market and this was in like a, you know, kind of a redneckish area. And there was one vendor who had like a whole bunch of just all dream catchers, all these like just totally butchered, fake indigenous looking stuff. And one thing was a mirror that was painted and it said the Indian Ten Commandments. And then it had like 10 commandments that they made up and they were like, be nice to Mother Earth. And I'm like, this is fucking disgusting. And I'm seven and I can tell this is (laughs) disgusting. Like.
2: (laughs) right it's like oh my god it's so gross and i you know oh my gosh okay i wasn't gonna tell this story but i'm gonna tell this story now (laughs) go
1: for it light it up
2: so i had a white friend i was friends with this person for like 10 years i was in their wedding they were a sponsor on my first podcast like really close with this person this person is a burner I don't know if you know what that means. I didn't for a mm, long no. time. I liked my life better before I knew what it was. But for the listening audience at home, let I me mean, picture with my words. There's this thing in the desert, Burning Man, and it's basically white people going out into the desert to try and pretend like they're indigenous. Leave no trace, they say, and yet they wear feather boas, which are moop, which is matter out of place. And they go into this ecosystems, which are deserts, which have no humans for most of the year. And they drive through just preservation on their way to their local party, might I add. And they basically just hang on the bed and like build art and, like buy like it's some kind of commandment system. Yeah, it's like the seven principles or some malarkey. I don't know.
1: <laughs> go so off. One is,
2: one is, I know, can you tell? Okay, it's a thing for I and people are like, wow, Sophia, like, why don't you go to burners? Why aren't you at like the regional? burn lakes of fire and it's like because i'm indigenous and what you people do is offensive to me your whole lifestyle you trying to be me is offensive and you white people with dreadlocks do better fucking do better i'm tired of it <laughs> but i digress
1: that's related that's totally related um
2: so they you know these burners and one of their tenants is leave no trace and it's supposed to be like, you know, pack it in, pack it out, which on its I I agree with that. Yes. Leave no trace. So this person and I, we went on a trip together and uh, we went to Mackinac Island, which in my indigenous like teachings is like a sacred land. It's, you know, it's very precious. And as I've said before, we don't inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our descendants. And. The whole time we're on Mackinac Island, I'm complaining about, like, he's by my evil. Look at these white people walking around, acting like this is their Disneyland in Michigan. I hate it. You know, this is a sacred place. Show some respect. Blah, 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 blah. The whole weekend. And then we go out to the state park and we come back and I'm in our hotel room and I look out and I see and she's got a rock. She's taken a rock from the national park. And I'm like, what are you doing? Have you never seen Indiana Jones? This is how curses happen. <laughs> when white people take shit from places that they're not supposed to this is how your ass gets cursed and she's like we oh, do that a lot. I'm really i'm really sorry i just wanted a memory of our time together i'm like okay cool so now you set the bar i'm just gonna come into your house and then think that i like oh i just wanted a memory of our time together uh, <laughs> i just wanted to remember this and that's why i took you know your bong or whatever like for real i <laughs> I was like, okay, is this what it is to be a white person? You just you see stuff you like and you just take it? I can get on board with that. I kind of see why you don't want to give us the land back, because it's great. It's great. You just see it and you take it. Oh, okay, I could get used to this.
0: But I digress.
2: Um, Yeah, and now, funnily enough, she's starting to go bald, and I'm like, well, maybe you shouldn't have taken that rock. it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That was such a good way to end that story. Yes. Well, bitch, maybe you shouldn't just have taken saying, just like,
0: it. <laughs> just taking so it back.
2: Crazy. Like, after your marriage is fine and, like, you've got no friends and, like, oh, wow, I wonder why that happened. <laughs> crazy. When you do things like that and you, uh, you know, you disrupt the ancestors. I was, I recently listened to an audio book about Uluru, which is the giant red rock in Australia. I think the sub. Let's call it Ayers Rock. I refuse to let that name touch Mm. my tongue again, so I'm not going to verify it. But Uluru, as it's known in the aboriginal language of the area, Uluru Mm. Rock. So one of the things is you're not supposed to climb this rock, which, you know, it belongs to Australia. So like, whatever. (laughs) Why should we listen to the indigenous people who have lived here for ages? So I was (laughs) listening in this book. They said that there have been and you're also not obviously not supposed to take any of the rock. From the place, yes. and there have been so many like there's like a book full of letters that people have written, like apologizing to the spirits of the place after they've taken rocks and like where they've tried to mail them back to the park because they take For things sure, and then stuff starts happening to them. Yeah, wow, they fucked around. And they found out. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that's actually,
0: I mean, that's actually fucking awesome because there are so many times where I wish. I mean, if you are a leftist of any sort, even if you're a fucking liberal your probably entire news feed and social media feed is consumed by people doing awful things that you wish they would be held accountable for and that they never will. You know what I mean? That's literally all we see day in and day out. It's just headlines of horrible people fucking up everything for everyone else and not being held accountable for it. So to hear the idea that like there actually is somebody out there fucking people up for taking rocks, fucking based like that's fucking fantastic. I love to hear it. Like
2: that's the only thing that's getting me through my day is the whole, like sometimes I'm just like, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray to my ancestors about this. (laughs) You know, and I never, I never pray maliciously for anybody. I only pray that they get what they deserve. And I'm sorry if y'all have been living your life right. Like that's on you, not me and the ancestors. But again, I digress. Well, I mean,
0: Sophia, (laughs) let's... I, I would like you to get back because you started to say, like, what does back look like in practice? Because they put that paragraph again here. I think that's why they took it out of here and put it in the intro, because that is a very good encapsulation of, like, what the point of this article is, is that we cannot let this be disconnected from the Marxist-Leninist struggle that it fucking is. Because it is a struggle for indigenous people, by indigenous people, against a settler colonial project built on fucking white nationalism and fascism. So in practice, it does look like strikes and it looks like things that are going to make that project and the people who espouse it fucking uncomfortable. And that's a good thing.
2: Right. So, you know, it's just I feel like for me, for Landbeck is, you know, one honoring the treaties that already exist. And two is just really being aware. If I can just get people to the the tagline of the anger podcast is decolonize your mind. And decolonization is just this act of like looking beyond taking. uh, What is it? That show. Oh, my God. I'm so embarrassed right now. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in it. It's like you take the good pill or you take the bad pill. The Matrix. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, my God. I don't watch movies with white people. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Which means I don't watch a lot of movies. (laughs) <laughs> unfortunately i think i i saw smoke signals that was good. years ago um so anyway yeah it's like that movie where they're like are you gonna take are you gonna stay asleep or are you gonna wake up and decolonization is just like waking up so like that's why i don't understand why people are so against it because like you all got on board with the matrix so like mm-hmm. just wake up take the red pill or the blue pillar whichever is the one that wakes you up like decolonize your mind start looking at these systems of oppression like it's not outrageous that the guy working at McDonald's wants $15 it's outrageous that we only pay doctors $20 an hour it's outrageous mm-hmm. that there's been no inflation landbag for me is directly tied to class consciousness you can't have mm-hmm. one without the, the other you Absolutely. need that you know and this idea that we i think the biggest disconnect between indigenous ways of thinking and settler ways of thinking is for indigenous people we are together In my 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 indigenous language, language, there isn't a word for your welcome because it's assumed that you want to help each other. We actually didn't even have a word for thank you until we came into contact with the settlers. And now we use miigwech, which is like sort of a takeoff of merci, which is French. So because we got used to working with them. But like in our language, we don't have that because in our culture, we don't have that. We want to help Mm -hmm. each other. We realize that our destinies are intertwined. You can't have one without the other. So decolonization is having that awareness of your fellow man and like general strikes. I, you know, I, I feel like decolonization is also a general strike of like realizing we as the people have the power, we are not beholden to these ways of thinking. At one time, it was in, inconceivable to think that kings didn't have a divine right to rule. People think mm-hmm. like they're so mirrored in capitalism and like this is the way it is. And I can't imagine a life outside of this and outside of my Instagram, or my social media, but there is. And it has existed for ages. And we just need to like tap that in.
0: (laughs) I mean, something that I've been thinking about a lot lately, and I think Cosper was talking about something related last night in our own group chat. And it's this idea of like what it would look like if you have people transcend capitalism. Like what do people look like who have done that? And we can't even imagine it because we are so steeped in the ideology of capitalism. We are so driven by the incentives that what it would look like would be so foreign to us that we cannot even imagine it. And I think that sort of the way we could try to wrap our minds around it is to imagine indigenous cultures. Like, imagine somebody who would, if you handed them a suitcase of money, they would throw it in a lake because they don't know what the fuck to do with it. You know what I mean? Like, that's unthinkable to you because you are steeped in the ideology of capitalism, and that suitcase of money would be everything to you, and it would change your entire life. But if you could find somebody who placed so little value on that because they don't have any of the the ideology that we have— They would be behaving completely differently. And I don't know. It's like the big puzzle is how to get to that area from capitalism. And we just can't seem to imagine that. And maybe, I I mean, what the meme that keeps recurring in my mind is that I almost imagine maybe even more of like a political cartoon, but imagine like a bunch of rich fucking bankers standing on the island of Manhattan with a bunch of like piles of money and then sinking into the water as some indigenous people stand there holding the beads that they sold it to them for. that land is now, worth, is now worth billions of dollars, and then just standing there and saying, ironic. You know what I mean? Like, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what I imagine land back to look like, you know. But what did you have, Darren? Sorry.
1: So this is bringing up, I'm in the middle of this book right now, that was the last thing that David Graeber wrote with uh, David Winslow. And it's basically, it's called uh, The New History of Everything. And it's a deconstruction of where systems came from, where ideologies came from, trade, etc. And it's such a heavy focus on indigenous peoples. So this part, it's it's so ironic to me. He's talking about the Enlightenment in Europe and the idea that, yeah, kings don't have a divine right to rule. Guess where we got that from? It didn't just pop up in Europe magically. It came from Native Americans. (laughs) Like, quite literally, the Enlightenment was inspired by Native people, specifically um granted there's there, it's hard to track these records down but there's a really great one between someone from the Abenaki tribe who is in Canada and I probably butchered the pronunciation on that but foregoing that basically the idea was these french philosophers came to the americas and they were astounded to find like these complex trade networks these uh honestly metropolises this degree of like using the land and controlling the land in a successful and equitable and sustainable way. And the fact that like a lot of these tribes didn't have laws and they had no crime still because there was actually accountability and people wanted to help each other. So the idea, the inception of like Western libertarianism, not the American libertarianism, like the old one that got us away from kings, came back with these Frenchmen and eventually took root in France in the French Revolution, and Jean-Jacques Rousseau, and eventually even Marx. Everything about the idea of liberation freedom in Europe came from native cultures here, but it got hijacked into capitalism and into this sort of perverted sense of it, where it's no longer about freedom in the sense that you get to live a good, happy, successful, meaningful life, but rather that you have the freedom to step on each other. Mm-hmm. So in that way, Graeber is, is postulating that two things happened. The, the native philosophies that the French encountered fused with the feudal and monarchic ideas of Europe and became capitalism. Ugh. So you have freedom to fuck each other up, yeah. if that makes any sense. And it's just such an interesting take, because like when we talk about the Enlightenment, I know I'm going off on one, but I'm super into this book. (laughs) Um, When we talk about the Enlightenment, we're always talking about like, well, yeah, these white people just woke up one day and they're like, you know what? Kings are fucked. And it's like, well, this makes a lot more sense that there was like an external influence, you know?
2: Right. Like, I'm sorry, but like the Moors had to teach you all how to bathe. Like, I can't take direction (laughs) from anybody that doesn't know how to wash their nether regions. I'm great. (laughs) <laughs> ah but yeah i actually now i've, I've you know that is a a, a rousing endorsement now i kind of want to check that book out what was the title again
1: um, the new history, the new of, history everything? of everything yeah okay let me double check
2: yeah the day that i realized that the constitution of the united states ah. was plagiarized from the iranian
1: law of peace i was like oh i'm just- yep that's in there too so it's the dawn the dawn of everything
2: the dawn yeah. of everything okay yeah yeah, I actually said to my mother at one point, I was like, I don't want to, don't teach me anything. I don't want to learn anything. I already know it more than everybody in my class. Like, I'm done. I, I would like to not take in any more information, please.
0: <laughs> well, actually, speaking of taking more information, the the next part of this article actually is pretty relevant to what we were talking about, which is, I think it goes on to describe actually what is land back in practice. Do you want me to read or do you want to continue? Go
2: ahead. Yeah, because I think you know where you want to be. So you go for okay,
0: it. Cool. Yeah, I just want to start yes. talking. I just want to get more about that topic of just because again, I think this is probably the burning question for all the leftists, you know? Because I think there are a lot of young white, well-intentioned leftists. you know what I mean? And we like to help. You know, I'm a white guy. I would like to do my part. I don't. I I don't want to do it the wrong way.
2: Can I, Can I take a moment to speak to those well-intentioned?
0: Yeah, I'm right here. No, no,
2: I, let, right, please. And let me just say this, okay? Because you're right, and I have to. I always have to temper myself because I am an old, crusty woman, and I'm fucking tired of these people getting it wrong. But mm-hmm. that was another reason that was another impetus for me making the podcast. I was like, let me be a gentle like agony auntie and kind of help you because I do think people will do right if they have the good leadership. One thing I really need to emphasize to my young leftist comrades, please. Something that happened that really bothered me during the no DAPL, the Dakota Access Pipeline. This was I think 2016. Uh, there was a group Not surprisingly, it was a group of like burners in Detroit of some artists and they were going to have a fundraiser for the no DAPL, which I was 100%. Yes, please. We really needed that. I had cousins that were there at that time and it was really brutal. They had just brought the National Guard in. It was freezing temperatures. The National Guard was turning water on these water protectors, like freezing temperatures, like it was bad. And so I I was 100% behind this benefit fundraiser. They got like an old car and people smashed it. It was, it was very white to me. Okay. I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. say, I'm like there, I felt like this money could have been the money that was used to throw the party for the fundraiser. I felt like could have been actually directly funneled into it. So in that respect, it felt very performative, but Mm -hmm. you know, I'm used to getting scraps. So let me just take what I can get. So then they raised about $3,000 at this fundraiser. And I was like, wow, guys, that's so awesome. Here is the Amazon wish list for the DPL for the people who are at the camps now you could buy a generator for them and they really really need that you have got enough to and like I know we all hate Amazon but they do have free delivery and you know fuck you Jeffrey Bezos I'm ordering my generator for my comrades out there on the front lines so like we do what we have to there's yeah, I mean, no the ethical consumption sell us the rope you know <laughs> hey. And this guy looked me in the eye. This guy knew, knew that Ojibwe was indigenous, lived on the other side. We lived in like an artist elective. He lived on the other side of the wall from me. I listened to him play piano all the time. This man looked me in the eye, this white man. He had to get on his tippy toes to do it, but he looked me in the eye. And he was like, no, we're going to go down there and we're going to give out the money ourselves to deserving individuals. Fuck you, man. Like. No, fuck you. That's a huge fuck you for me. And then they they did. They drove down there. They used the money on the gas and the food to get down there. And then they gave out micro grants. They walked around the camp and like gave money out to people who they felt were deserving of the money. And I was like, so yet again, white people have used native resistance as a way to like fucking find themselves. It was just like, oh, my God, I went down there and I had this really moving experience and. You know, and then this guy came and he played the flute and it was like Carlos Nakai and there was, he painted with all the colors of the wind and I talked to grandmother, don't break your arm, jerk it off. (laughs) That's all I have to say. It was so insulting. (laughs) The
0: fact that they felt the need to decide who is deserving and who is not after these people already had a fucking Amazon wish list, as problematic as Amazon may be, if they have, like you said, it's convenient, it's easy. And yeah, if they have that list, they would do what they want. And then you're like, no, we know better. Typical, like right. pure. White. Bing,
2: bing, 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 That was exactly, I mean, you're taking that sovereignty, that, uh, that, that onus away from the actual water protectors and inserting yourself in a situation where you're not, only not needed because none of them were medical responders. None of them had any skills whatsoever. None of them had any military training. They were dead weight, okay? I was in the military. So I have really, really strong feelings about, being dead weight on a mission. And that's all these people were. It was 300 pounds of dead weight. You're down there, you're taking up latrine access, you're taking up water access, you're taking up shelter access, food, all those resources. into to these kids on a mission who were trying to find themselves when really it should have been about the water protectors. And that is to me the most egregious and the most frequent problem that I see with white allyship in these spaces is it's, it is not an opportunity for you to find yourself. Don't make it about you. You know, like center Native voices. I'm not saying like, oh my God, you know, white people can never wear Native stuff. Like, no, please. Like we have beautiful artwork. I get it. I get why you want to wear it. Buy that from a Native artisan. Like we're all over a place. Buy it from an indigenous place. Okay, my cousin and Etsy shop. I can hook you up. Like you want to get a deal. I'm not giving you a discount, but like I'll give you the link. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's all I want is for people to see us and to center our voices in this fight about decolonization. It's not this like cutesy little thing that you can hashtag and then I don't even know what the native equivalent would be of the black square. Like, are you post a red square? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. no. And it's honestly what I really want from you comrades. I want you to turn to your racist aunt and uncle, and I want you to disrupt Thanksgiving, or as my people call it, thankstaking. Like I want you to make your family members uncomfortable. No, your redskin jersey isn't okay. You know, no, your black horse jersey isn't okay. No, I don't like that you root for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, stop it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you won't give me my land back, at least stop using my people as a gross caricature and a mascot.
1: <laughs> I know I'm asking for a lot, but. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and as a name for military helicopters.
2: Oh my god! You know, and Apaches aren't even that tall, so I don't get it. But whatever. <laughs> I digress. I can say that you guys can't. Um. I was I
1: was literally just thinking that <laughs> it's cool. If you need some good Jew jokes, I got those.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would never. You know, and somebody made a, like a really bad Jew joke to me once, and I was like, "You kiss your mother with that." I
1: don't,
2: yeah. <laughs> wow, I hope you're Jewish. And then they made a really bad Catholic priest joke. And I was like, all ah, right, that, that brings us back bitter. up to
1: neutral. Fine. <laughs> they did. deserve it.
2: Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> I was like, all right, I slightly, I slightly less side eyed. But, <laughs> and, you know, and that's, that is my final point. I, if I don't, if I have to make one more point before I let us get back to the article, is that, and the article does touch on this Black and Indigenous liberation are intertwined. In the Native community, we have our own issues of colorism and, like, being who's a more palatable Native. There was recently, like, some kerfuffle because there was, like, a major, I think it was Sephora. It was a major campaign in Canada, and there were no Afro-Indigenous Natives in the campaign. They were all very, like, white-passing, palatable Hollywood, Hollywood Natives, I would say, which, you know, that... That's not a knock, okay? We're not all Plains Indian, all right? I'm not super tan. I'm from the eastern woodlands. My people live under trees, okay? No, I'm not not out in the exposed sun. So you can't have one without the other. And that's, I, I just, I sound like a broken record, but it's like class consciousness, race consciousness, like we are all in this together. It's all of us against capitalism, literally.
0: <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. I mean, while you were saying that, I was thinking that I say it all the time on here that Black Lives Matter is the vanguard party of the U.S., if there is one. But I think that applies equally as well to any indigenous organization that is doing any kind of land back or decolonial struggle, that is fighting any of these fights, that is doing these protests, because it's all the same thing. It's all the same struggle and it is all the same kind of like playbook, which is that you just resist these state apparatuses and the people who are manning them any way that you can. And so, I don't know, the future may be, and I always say that Black Lives Matter is the one because it's the biggest one, and it's the one that gets the most media attention, and it's the one that had all the protests going around for, like, an entire summer. Um, And I'm sad that that's not still going on because all the things they were protesting are still happening under Biden, you know, as we all expected that they would. But I guess, like, that's all just to say that, for all we know, the future of the U.S. may look like a bunch of fascist and white nationalist groups with their guns scaring everyone off Um, who is like in dire straits because climate collapse and just the economic situation is getting so bad that everyone is proletarianized and everyone is desperate. And these people start running towards mutual aid groups run by Black Lives Matter, run by Antifa, run by indigenous organizations. And that's how they take over the U.S. is they literally transform it into something that actually does work for people just by replacing the non-functioning, unsustainable piece of shit white settler structures that have just ruined the place over the last couple hundred years in a surprisingly short amount of time.
1: Mike that's like the, one of the first times that you've given me like a lot of hope on this podcast. I'm
0: I mean sorry, it could happen ahead. buddy. It, like, it could it happen just happening. because it needs to. It's a, there, there's good things that could happen.
2: Yeah, I don't do that, think buddy. people I don't think people are making this connection between like these catastrophic climate disasters that we're having. I mean like Hurricane Katrina was a huge catastrophe in our nation and why we didn't wake up then? I mean, I'm not surprised again, I'm a native person in the United States. I'm not surprised this has been going on. This has been going on. And I feel like this comes back to the idea of, you know, decolonization. So what land back, what is land back? It literally looks like, give me the land back. Um, You know, I need you to decolonize your mind. I need you to push back against this history that you've been giving. Like even this, I, the story of Thanksgiving, that was the first episode I did on my podcast. And what is the real story of Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving for who, you know? Because Americans have been fed this idea that life in America is the best. And so many of us don't have the opportunity, didn't have the opportunity to travel abroad. And they've never, people have never seen that there's another way of life that is actually like, whoa, way better. You know, wow, I don't have to work two jobs to be broke. I I have socialized healthcare, you know, and I really stupidly, naively thought that COVID would really blow open the whole you know, U S worker thing, you know, I was so disenchanted. Every
0: crisis, you think this is going to be the one and never is. It's like, what the fuck does it take?
2: Yeah. Like, like why, you know? And I just see like the rich and powerful, these colonizer populations, they just, I mean, we're seeing it right now with like the, the vaccines, like how the lower income countries didn't get the vaccines. The U S started vaccinating kids and now it's mutating and things are messed up. And it's like, if we were taking this decolonized approach of like, we need to care for everybody, no one eats seconds before everyone eats first. You know, in native gatherings, you don't always even like get your own plate. You might serve per you know, you serve somebody else first, depending on the tribe, because it's just more of a community. And I think that's really the disconnect and I think that's what's gonna really be the struggle of getting colonizers and settlers on board with land back. <laughs> because it's just so jarring to think about, like, well, if I give the land back, then where am I gonna go? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like what well, what's gonna happen to me? I can't go back to Caucasia. Caucasia's not <laughs> even a real place.
0: <laughs> Get back to those mountains.
2: Right. Um, it's hard.
0: <laughs> let me let me take this uh I'll check take another crack at this next paragraph here, which is trying to just... I guess describe exactly that, like in practice, what does land back look like? And so they say land back calls for the return of land to indigenous stewardship. But what does this really mean? In essence, it means the end of for-profit capitalist exploitation of the land and its resources and the dismantling of imperialist subjugation of nations and peoples. The indigenous conception of land views land as relative, one that we are necessarily responsible to, just as we are to any other relative. Indigenous kinship understands that land is not an object to be possessed or exploited for profit. Land is not private property. This concept of land is in alignment with the Marxist conception of land held in the commons. Marxism identifies that property ownership excludes human access to the commons and continues the dispossession of people from their obligation to the relationship with the land. The settler U.S. enforces this exclusion and dispossession. Thus, land back necessitates the dissolution of the United States.
1: (laughs) Bass!
0: This movement and this conception is not unique to North America. It has found expression in several other countries in the Americas, wherever indigenous people live and strive to steward the land and protect it from the depredations of monopoly capital. In the Amazon jungle, against the destruction of the forest by agribusiness and cattle ranchers. In Bolivia, for the recovery of natural resources from multinational mining corporations. In Ecuador, for the protection of the rainforest against oil drilling. While land back as a movement is inherently at odds with capitalism and imperialism, certain monopoly capitalists have found it advantageous to send their financial support to indigenous organizations advocating for land back. Thus, for example, Jeff Bezos, the billionaire CEO of Amazon, gave South Dakota-based NDN Collective $12 million in 2020. What a nice guy. That's like a penny nice.
2: for him. Right? Wow. Thank you, sir. Can I have some more?
0: Literally just like Mr. <laughs> fucking uh, Daddy Warbucks, like walking down the sidewalk and like pelting a homeless person in the eye with a penny. Like just like an <laughs> insult.
2: Right? But he didn't send us a fucking generator, did he? <laughs> <laughs> Something we could actually fucking use. Excuse me. Yeah, and I just want to circle back right quickly because you talked about Amazon, the Amazon, indigenous people in the Amazon, and I'm living in Brazil now, and it is so horrific what is happening to under Bolsonaro, these people living in the Amazon. Um, I recently went to the Museum of Portuguese Language in uh, Sao Paulo, and they were talking about, like, Indigenous language speakers, which is sort of like my bag. I'm a linguist and I specialize in indigenous languages. So I was really interested to see. And you see these populations just getting decimated where private cattle ranchers are going in and like giving. One, one tribe was completely wiped out. There's only 74 of these people left because almost everyone in the tribe was killed from eating poisoned meat. They gave a, a tapir. They brought a tapir to the village and they had poisoned the meat and everyone that ate it died. And then, oh, hey, there's no more people here. So I guess we can just take their land and use it for our cattle. And, you know, I mean, I did a whole episode on veganism and TikTok, and I have some very strong opinions. You can circle back and check that out. But honestly, you know, one of the ways that we can help is until we can get the land back is not even quit eating, you just reduce it. Like if you reduce 30%, of what you're eating, I think it would be helpful because the, they're only able to get away with it because there's demand, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to be so cavalier as to suggest that this is all a personal responsibility because it's fucking not. It's systemic 100 percent, but like mm-hmm. just being aware of our own situation and our own place in these systems and how what we do contributes, I think is is important. You know, again, I don't want to say that like everyone, it's all personal responsibility because it's not, but we also have to be aware.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I've actually had this conversation recently with a friend of mine who lives in Nicaragua and we were, because I'm, I've been vegetarian for a really long time and we were talking about it and it was one of those things where it's like, you know, I'm not a vegetarian where I'm going to go to native people's who are eating something you know of their cultural domain sustainably and be like hey fuck you uh no i'm vegetarian because factory farming is fucking killing the planet like yes and and <laughs> the person that made me vegetarian who uh is also uh latina she she converted me because she said exactly what you did which is like and it it started me here is like if you cannot do bacon for breakfast burger for lunch steak for dinner and just do one of those that's something and then gradually for me that whittled it down to the point that like i have none of them and bonus points i don't feel like shit anymore so you know <laughs> and you look great your skin's
2: glowing or maybe that's the monitor pushback but no it's, i think it's, it's definitely the monitor. <laughs> <laughs> no and that's like and that's what i'm saying you know i really irritates me when i see people harassing my indigenous cousins in the north like for seal hunting Like, no, we are not the problem. And, you know, I hunt and everything, every single part of that animal gets used and it's done in a, it's harvested in a respectful way. And we give offerings before, and, you know, again, every area that has indigenous stewardship of the land has historically and traditionally done better. We didn't start having these wildfires in California until the indigenous people didn't have sovereignty over those lands anymore. It's kind of funny how that works. So I, and this is, (laughs) I'm sorry, this is why uh, you don't get invited to parties anymore, because I'm always bitching. But like, I'm fucking tired of Greta Thunberg or whatever the fuck her name is. Like, no disrespect. I'm not like, what she's doing is great. But indigenous youth have been doing this. And aren't getting the platform that this girl is getting that I feel like she gets yep. because she's white and like oh I'm not spo- oh I'm sorry I said fuck Greta like now I'm anti autism no surprise everyone I'm neurotypical <laughs> too so I can say that I've taken the turn
0: this podcast small. fuck Greta Thunberg
2: <laughs> <laughs> right like no like honestly I'm not even fuck her like I just don't care about her there are so many Indigenous yeah. youth you know Eric Markey Gift Carcine, uh how oh, I always get this girl's name wrong but. I think it's Mita Shipaya. She's um she's from the, the South and she fights for human rights in Brazil and like oh my god, you know, China Chasing horse. Like there's so many other ones out there, but yeah. you only ever hear about Greta and she got to be time person of the year or whatever. And I don't even you know, I'm done she's with the, time. Uh, she's so, the
0: Gabby Petito of uh the climate movement.
2: I don't know who Gabby oh, Petito oh, is, god. I'm sorry. He,
0: she was the missing white girl that all the media was paying attention to. and She is, and yeah, she yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's
2: because
0: literally are we? it. Ugh.
2: For the black girls and the Indian girls and the murdered missing indigenous women, where is that same energy? Like, no disrespect. I'm, mm. What her family went through is terrible. I don't know what happened. Uh, you know, but, like, it's terrible. But that happens in our communities every day. So I'm sorry that I don't have more empathy to extend to her because I'm already tapped out because it's happening in my nation all the time, every day. You know, and no one no one's giving a fuck about my little black and brown girls that are going missing. But yeah, um yeah. I don't know who anybody is they're white apparently. i Don't know movies. I just try to stay away from white culture. It's like all around me all the time. I just am like, No, no, I feel like uh like Bukaki. Like it's just uh oh uh, uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's like the second episode this month that Bukaki has come up. What the fuck's going on here? Uh, I assume that was Caitlin's doing. Yes, it was. Yeah.
2: <laughs> you know, so we, just, we have a responsibility as individuals to call on global corporations and those who hold power and mm-hmm. wealth. You know, we have a responsibility to put that pressure to our representatives to make these climate, you know, in that way. I do feel like we have personal responsibility. But, you know, I saw a tweet. I Was it maybe you shared it? It was a tweet from CNN. And they were like, oh, here's ways you can help the climate change. And then somebody clapped back and they're like, you know, like 71% of all in water, dirt emissions are from factories or whatever. And I was like, yeah, yeah. Because I used yeah. to be one of those people who I was like, oh, no, don't run the sink. Like, don't flush the toilet because water. And then my <laughs> now husband was like, you realize corporations. I was like, oh, no, I didn't. And now my yeah. life will never be the same.
0: I mean, it does kind of <laughs> suck in a way, but like, it is better because then you don't have to live with that constant guilt trip of just living your life uh, in any kind of way that is practical in the modern day, like using water, using any kind of modern infrastructure and then, you know, having to guilt yourself about it. It's like you're really not the one doing the damage as, you know, I think my favorite version of that same clapback is like it was the fucking Shell Corporation or some similar corporation that said, like, here are some tips that you can do to, like, cut down on your waste. And it's like then somebody just. Hit them with their own statistics of like what Shell does. And it's like, well, I could stop, you know, drilling off of this, uh, such and such coast or whatever. It's like, oh, you're doing that. It's like, why don't you stop fucking doing that? Like, I could stop owning a <laughs> gas company. I don't know. However, they phrased it, it was more clever than that. But
2: why don't you is, stop owning a gas company? Why don't you stop dumping yeah. things into the ocean? Ugh.
0: <laughs> but I mean, to get back, it actually ties in well because the next thing that they were going on with was returning to that point about Jeff Bezos and donating money to like a land back collective as if that's going to his drop in the bucket is going to do anything. But they say that this is advantageous to people like Bezos because they present themselves as supporters of indigenous people and even against the fossil fuel industry while continuing to profit from it, promoting harmful capitalist methods and white savior approaches to deal with ecosystems and natural habitats and signaling that monopoly capital and imperialism are not in contradiction with land back. The point is that entities such as Amazon with its quote climate pledge fund and other monopoly capitalists such as Bill Gates or Tesla's Elon Musk promote and invest in non-fossil fuel technologies, Still, continue to profit from capitalist exploitation that necessarily ends up hurting colonized peoples. Thus, Elon Musk, commenting on the U.S.-supported fascist coup d'etat against indigenous Bolivian President Evo Morales in 2019, tweeted, quote, we will coup whoever we want. Deal with it. This coup allowed Tesla access to the large Bolivian lithium deposits used in lithium-ion batteries. Can I tell you how happy I am seeing all, seeing all those pictures of uh, Janine Inez in, uh, in jail behind bars? Like, Worse so good. So I don't good.
2: know who that is.
0: She was the the fascist who swooped in and like was acting president of Bolivia uh, after oh. they had got rid of uh, Evo. She but was the U.S. Was U.S. puppet.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I was thinking it was like Jeffrey Epstein's girlfriend who groomed all the little uh, girls. From oh her. yeah, I mean
1: same thing, really.
2: But. Yeah. I mean. White women, you know, what can I say? <laughs> wouldn't have happened if she was black or indigenous, that's all I'm saying. They never find black or indigenous women in scandals like this. Um like we're never gonna have this bitch back ever. Tired <laughs> she's giving no, me I'm... too much white shame. I'm tired of it.
0: No, I mean little Sophia, I was thinking I wanna have you back as often as possible. <laughs> yeah, seriously. You fit right in with us. <laughs> I can't yeah. wait for
1: uh Juan though to fucking get his dude. This motherfucker.
0: I can't believe he's still fucking talking. Like, go away. No one cares. (laughs) They're
2: they're just all awful. I'm like, it's like the Mariah Carey meme. I don't know her. I don't know him.
0: Literally. I will uh, (laughs) go on with this for a little bit longer because this... Article is like another fifteen pages, and uh, we've gotten through like three out of the seventeen, and we're actually.
2: There's a part I'd like to jump to. It's near the bottom. Actually, I mean, I have it folded right up. So they talk. We're gonna jump through time here. Now Um, we're taking you from Bolivia to Canada. So in Canada, the 1990 Oka Crisis pushed indigenous resistance to the forefront of Canadian public attention and discourse, and led to the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples 1991-1996. So. I don't know how much you know about the Oka crisis, uh, but it's basically traditional lands that had been ceded to this group. And then the Canadians decided they wanted to build a golf course through this like traditional sacred land. And the people were just not having it. And I bring this up specifically because I feel like a lot of times in the United States, people are like, oh, Canada, Canada's so nice. No, Canada's bastards too. Justin Trudeau is just Trump with a better fucking haircut. That guy's a fucking fascist, too. I don't have time for Trudeau. If you know about Pierre Trudeau, his daddy, like, no. Fuck that whole family. Fuck that whole dynasty. I don't have time for it.
0: Um, if he is the son so, of Fidel. he's a fucking disappointment.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> I love that theory.
2: <laughs> ah, So, uh, this commission kicked off the next 30 years of the ongoing reform era in Canada. Like most institutional reforms, reconciliation in Canada has followed a seemingly interminable pattern. This begins with an incident that cannot be ignored, which we're seeing right now with the bodies, all of the unclaimed graves, all the children mm-hmm. that are being found in these residential schools. Um, just as one example, uh, so it begins with an incident that cannot be ignored. The subsequent call for an inquiry to research—wow, sound familiar? Which ultimately yields a report with recommendations to fix the issue. These include the Truth and Reconciliation Commission of Canada, 2009–2015 and the Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls National Inquiry 2019, and various provincial reports, including the Ipawash Inquiry 2004-2006, and the British Columbia Missing Women's Commission of Inquiry 2010-2012. These five reports in 30 years have provided over 1,000 recommendations to the Canadian governments, institutions, and populace. How many of those recommendations do you think actually got implemented Yes. I'm guessing, like, zero. I don't have numbers, so I don't want to say anything inflammatory. Yeah, I'm but just going
0: to guess
1: that it's, I would like guess zero next yeah. to
2: nothing. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to guess it's next to nothing, but I can bet that there's been a number of, like, insincere land acknowledgments with, you know, mispronounced names. That's the right. thing that I've been noticing, like, in my Canadian spheres, is, like, these people do land acknowledgments. So I just want to acknowledge the land that we're on this is the land of the Iroquois people or whatever whatever but you know what your land acknowledgment doesn't mean jack fucking shit to me if you're going home and you're buying things that contribute to fracking that are disenfranchising my people it doesn't mean anything to me when you do a land acknowledgment when you have a blue lives matter sticker on the on your car because police states hurt black people they hurt indigenous people i mean proportionally i'm not trying to get into a pissing contest with my black comrades but proportionally they kill more of us police kill more native americans
0: oh shit i didn't proportionally, know
2: proportionally
0: mm-hmm. but
2: like numbers wise obviously they kill more black people because right, there's right. more black people to kill right uh, yeah. i don't know that's not my best soundbite but you know what i'm saying
0: but no i mean <laughs> it's the same thing that like when yeah. the fucking annoying white people were trying to do the counter yeah. black lives matter thing and say that you more white people it. were killed. Yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah they, the, the fucking racists understand how proportions work when they do the 1350 memes and they want to make it seem like crime is a thing that only happens in communities of color. And then all of a sudden they learn, they, they understand how proportions work. But then when you describe to them that proportionally black people and now indigenous people are killed far more by police because that's what police fucking do. That is literally their job. Uh, yeah. Then they all of a sudden don't understand how proportions work. That, just, that knowledge goes right out the window.
2: Oh my God, yep. right? Math, the math is mathing, but I don't know how to do math. So for me, again, you know, land back is tied to decolonization. It's tied to abolition. You know, this police state and even I'm anti I'm super anti Bureau of Indian Affairs. I don't like, you know, this this blood quantum thing, like how much Indian are you? We are the only population that has to prove who we are, which I get it, especially with all the pretendians. But the quantum, the blood quantum, is just a way for the U.S. government to not honor the treaties, because so take like take etymology oh, shit. Oh well, okay. So take for example, what, I, I'm happy to share my own history. Uh, I'll put I'll put my business out on the street. I ain't above it. So my mother is indigenous. My father is also indigenous, but he is an indigenous person from Mexico. The United States will not honor more than one tribe okay so my mother now get this my mother is a hundred percent native okay but my father my grandfather is from one tribe and my grandmother is from another you can only claim tribal lineage you can only affiliate with one tribe so that automatically takes my mother who is a hundred percent indigenous to 50 percent. okay Yeah. so now that means that Anybody that she had, any children that she has is automatically going to be half of that. Mm. And so because I don't have a father on my birth certificate, they halved me again. So now I'm one eighth and I don't have any legitimate claim in terms of blood quantum to my tribe. Yes, I see a hand. Thank you for raising your hand. Sorry, that was my teacher mode.
1: No, we, we all do that, especially after I think I'm on beer four. Um <laughs> because I will interrupt people after beer four. But I was actually, so there was a book that I was recommended a while ago from um, my buddy's father is a professor and he's also half Choctaw and he recommended this book called Custer Died for Your Sins by Vine Deloria Jr. And it's a fucking, I mean, it is a crazy book to read and it, it goes really into depth about how the Bureau of Indian Affairs actually doesn't just enforce what you described, but like kind of actively works to implement it and mm-hmm. it, it is a reduction of right to uh the mantle of what natives should be having it it's a systemic way to deny people of the mantle that they should have been assured in the first place and it's, it's through bureaucracy yes and vine deloria jr postulates the like yeah we should be looking at tribal councils we should be looking at regional councils we should be looking at all of the things that the native nations had in the first fucking place instead of this literal federal organization that is obviously working for the federal government that is genocidal to Native people.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's all one, like, one head on the same serpent. Yes, the you know we need to get rid of tribal police. We need to get rid of the Bureau of Indian Affairs. We need to get rid of all the police. Abolition, now. And, oh, my God, who are you going to call when your husband beat you up? Well, I wasn't going to call the police. So, as a woman in America, I know better.
0: the uh the back of the sra t-shirt says we protect us it's like it's kind of a weird phrasing of it but like that's ideally what it should be is that it should just be community defense force and everything
1: hey you know if i wanted to fill out you know two hours worth of paperwork and and have my dog shot i could do that myself
2: (laughs) exactly exactly yes we protect us and you know again that totally goes in with my culture as an indigenous person like yeah we protect us like yes the outside systems have never benefited us they're never going to benefit us and my only hope is to get enough white people on my side
0: well i mean okay <laughs> to, like, so i'm glad to stand in the front <laughs> That's That brings me to the next thing I wanted to touch on, because we got like about a half hour left of our set aside recording time. We may run long, I don't know. I mean, I feel like so I was worried that we may not have enough to talk about. I can see oh. that's not going to be a problem with you, Sophia. Like you have plenty of stuff to say, and I'm happy for it because we want to hear it. This is we should do hear this for. again. Absolutely. I was just trying to think. <laughs> if you want to pick another topic that's related to this, or just talk more about this, like we absolutely. It's need such this a again.
2: joy. I just love to complain. My my goal in life is to complain so much people mistake me for a Parisian.
1: So <laughs> yeah. I feel like
2: I've gotten there. In
1: uh, in Judaica, we call it kvetching. Yeah. Yes.
2: <laughs> oh, I wrote. I you know not to brag. I wrote a little comic when I was in high school, and it was like. This is your dog. Does he do any tricks? Yeah. Watch. And then she throws the ball and she says, fetch. And he says, oh, my back hurts. My food is ca- terrible. I don't like this kibble now that we switched from dry. And the kid goes, oh, I'm sorry. He thought you said k- to That's
1: hilarious. That is great. <laughs> I,
2: I'm very funny. I didn't have a dad. <laughs> You're like, why do you like this? Because I didn't have a dad.
0: Well, okay. So <laughs> no. then. I'm glad you said, like, that, you know, we should get some white people to just kind of act as a barricade and protect all these indigenous protesters and everything. Because so I think we kind of touched on the question. Like, I want to spend, like I said, the last half hour of this, try to answer these questions if we can. And so we covered like what I think what is land back and what does it look like in practice? And in practice, it's not going to be the easy answer. Like if anyone's was hoping to get an easy answer out of this podcast, the answer is that it looks like Marxist-Leninist struggle. It looks like everything else that we are doing to fight capitalism in this hellhole. It is community organizing. It is joining the org, it's going to the protest, and it is eventually making wins that hand over infrastructures, things that have been taken by the state, and handing those back over to indigenous people. If you if you can make those wins by doing this kind of ground-level struggle, that is what Land back actually looks like in practice. Um, right. If works. I can
2: just get people to not buy dream catchers from Urban Outfitters and to donate that money to bail funds instead, we will be making huge progress.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as that.
2: You know, take that money that you would spend on going to uh, a Cleveland Indians game, donate it to the water protectors, buy them a generator. <laughs> I, honestly, I feel like at this point we need to just go full on. Oh, my God. What was the – do you guys play Final Fantasy VII? Mm-hmm. No. What? Oh, my God. I'm, I can't I come on so this. so bad at video games. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> I'm
1: the wrong kind of dork. Sorry. Okay, well <laughs> –
2: I'm so disappointed in you guys right now. (laughs) It's palatable. Um, Okay, well, in Final Fantasy VII, there's like an eco-terrorist group, and all I can think is Midgar, and I know that's not the name because Midgar is the city, but basically, maybe it's Meteor. I don't know, whatever. They go around and they're like blowing up these pipelines that are sucking magic out of the earth and it's destroying the earth, and I feel like... I know that's not a popular thing to say, and I'm already on a watch list because I'm Native American and I go to powwows because that's a thing that happens. You would not, you cannot underestimate the number of times I have been at a powwow and looked out and seen a federal agent going down the line of the cars and writing down license plates. I know Probably. I'm on a watch list. It's all right. I'm indigenous. Can't kill me. <laughs> so, yeah. Um. If we can just get some white people on the front lines standing, like, I just need your beautiful, blank bodies as a barrier from the <laughs> violence that's what i need from you
0: yeah i (laughs) I need your money (laughs) so i mean what is the wrong way to support decolonization the wrong way to be an ally and like there was like i wrote down i put hashtags empty symbols and gestures social media slacktivism and centering white settler opinions like showing up to these protests and being like well i think that we should give this money to these people or like well i think that you know shut the fuck up and, like, literally stand in the back and be part of the Vanguard Party. Like, let the people who are suffering through the struggle and actually doing the activism be the leaders of that group. Because that's... Yes. They deserve it. That's, yes. It's as simple as that.
2: And, you know, and I will go even one step further and say we really need to double down on our efforts to support Black women. Because when Black mm-hmm. women win, everybody fucking wins. There's never been a time when a Black woman has, like, moved up and not brought everybody in her community with her. I'm sorry. It doesn't fucking happen. So... I want to see more solidarity between the groups. We have way more in common than we have apart, you know, and if we can just get past these superficial differences, we could do something. But I feel like we're so fractioned right now over these basically bullshit ideological differences. Like, listen, the planet is on fucking fire. (laughs) Like Marxism, Leninism, Trotskyism, what the fuck does it matter when you don't have air to breathe?
0: Well, mm-hmm. Trotsky isn't well, no.
2: <laughs> I don't read any of them, so no, I really am out of my lane there, but I knew it would get your attention. That was all I was trying to do.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if you, if you bring up Trotsky on this podcast, it will definitely get somebody
0: to <laughs> it's like to It's just a fucking meme at this point, but like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I feel like that does kind of answer the question, like, what is the right way? Because we could talk plenty, I'm sure we could we probably have spent a good amount of time talking about what is the wrong way, uh, but like, yeah. Uh, yeah, the right way I think is more useful. And It's something that our our listeners and leftists need to hear. It's like, what's the right way to go about doing it?
2: Well, the right way would be to start listening to my podcast. Boom, right there. That gets you 10 really? points for Gryffindor. Bam, bam. <laughs> so, no, but the seriously, you know. That one. <laughs> there's a there is a plethora of great resources out there. Even if you're not listening to my podcast, All My Relations does a fabulous job. And just like reading the books that you mentioned, Custard Died for Your Synth, there is a great resource library out there. Um, and it's that's, easier that's to access to now.
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you, <laughs> Sophia. Speaking of being like no. a centering white voices, but like since we are mentioning oh books, God. there is a book out called How to Blow Up a Pipeline. And it's like one of the most popular they call it climate fiction. <laughs> it's one of the most if popular any, books out there right now.
2: If any of you white folks listening want to buy me a copy, because I did see it and I was like, I saw it on Verso Books. and I was like, ooh, but I didn't have the cash. So you want to buy was, me a copy?
0: I also <laughs> was thinking earlier today about, uh, we mentioned it, you and I, Jaron, on one of our discussion episodes. And it was about that thing that's in another climate fiction book about some group who sends, sends like a an explosive into the atmosphere, just like a low earth orbit and they explode a bunch of shrapnel and it just orbits the earth for like a hundred years just creating all this space junk and what that means is that no one for like a century can leave the planet, no space missions no space station, no leaving the planet to go jet off to your space colony and leave all of us here to die you have to fix the problems here on the earth you have no choice, we're all stuck here for at least a hundred years so figure it the fuck out <laughs> and it's a great idea because it's paper so of simple <laughs> it's cheap, it's easy anybody can fucking do it and it would work <laughs>
1: There is nothing I hate more than space larping. I don't give a fuck about Mars. I don't give a fucking fuck about Mars, you conceited bitch. Like, seriously. Fix the shit. That is is the widest pop out of the whole thing. All of it. Like, imagining that Star Trek is going to happen. What fucking planet are you on? Seriously.
0: Star Trek cannot happen until you achieve luxury gay space communism, and then you can talk about doing Star Trek. Right.
2: Oh, my friend is like the top fan for that page. I've heard of that one.
0: <laughs> what? <just> look,
1: I <laughs> mean, look automated luxury gay forever. space
2: communism.
1: Oh, yeah, no, know, like, it's, uh, it's a page
2: on Facebook.
1: Oh, on like Hitler, the Facebook,
2: but... I don't know. I don't really use the Facebook so much because I fucking hate Mark Zuckerberg. But then you bought Instagram and I just ruined all my favorite things. So fuck mm-hmm. me. But I digress. I do have to
1: bounce here in a minute, but I'm going to tell you no. that there's also, there's an alternative page called Fully Automated Luxury Gay Space Kibbutz.
2: That, oh, kibit, Oh my Kibbutz. God. Yeah, no. so
1: it's it's all the things that you love about gay space communism, but also
0: very Jewish. Nice.
2: I, I do enjoy some good Jew humor once in a while. It's Our very yeah. very self-deprecating. It's like Catholic humor, but better. Yeah, oh. yeah.
1: I mean, we're all allergic to everything. If we can't laugh at ourselves, we'd be fucked. Oh,
2: those so. Abrahamic religions. I mean, there's like the conflicts are built in.
1: I found the least or Jewish sexually. person that I could on the planet and married her. That was probably a good plan. Yeah, it's working well. <laughs> all right. It was so great to meet you. I hope, uh, hope you come back on.
2: I Me mean, too. I, I'm i a little scared. I, I'm worried like what the reactions are going to be because I think you guys have a much bigger following than I do. I'm a, actually very intimidated just by the size of your Discord so I'm like, wow, there's a lot of fucking people in here. That'll <laughs> <laughs> no, be fine. There,
0: there's no one who listens to our podcast that is not going to be cool with anything that you said here. So I wouldn't worry about that whatsoever. Yeah, they're um, all, Jaren,
1: we have a really cool community, actually. I'm
0: like, wow. Jaren, uh, plug your website real quick before you bounce, and then uh, we'll continue and we'll wrap it up there. Oh, cool. You can buy either
1: one of my books there. Currently, the funds are going towards publishing my third one. And I did remove it from my Instagram because people are trying to hack me a lot right mm-hmm. now for some reason. So this, this is, is the only way you're going to hear about good. it. Yeah. Okay. Well, congratulations on two books. Thanks. They're, I, it's funny when you read back through them, you can tell I'm getting more radicalized as I go. So oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what we yeah. aim for. <laughs>
2: All right. Well, I'm going to say Bama P to you, Jeremy, because in my language, we don't have a word for goodbye, because we believe once you meet somebody, they're always part of your circle. So we say Bama P, which just means until later. So Bama P.
1: Beautiful. But well, we have uh, Shalom Awechem. We're still Shalom.
0: <laughs> later, buddy. Later, y'all. All right. So, Sophia, let's try to, uh, well, we're bringing home. I would like to see if you could just, if you want to take a look over those questions that I put there at the beginning again. Um and see yeah. if there's anything else that you have to say about them because uh, again I, I put those there as questions because i feel like they're there to spur discussion and so is if there's any general memes,
2: with- where is it
0: oh sorry here let me uh let me put it back it's in the podcast waiting room
2: podcast waiting room hall of shame <laughs> okay what are the fakes I okay, so I don't know anything about fake socialists like Vosh or that. So but what can I say about it being um, labeled racist or anti white? Yeah. TLDR, you can't, you can't be racist against white people. That's not how that works. There's plenty of literature online that has been explained. Lots of black women have already done a great deal of labor on that. So I'm not really gonna touch that one. too well, much. I should
0: but, say real quick, like, My short explanation for that would be that, like, there's nobody who literally just hates all white people. It's like, you hate white nationalists. It's like, even I hate white nationalists. It's like, people who... Don't make that face, Sophia. You don't hate all white people. Come (laughs) on, there's a couple of words. I'm ready.
2: My best friend is a white person, and she's Christian.
0: Okay, see that? I don't hate all white people. But my point is, so, it is literally just the difference between judging people by the color of their skin or for the content of their character. And so, I know that, like... If any of the fucking libertarians that listen to the people that we hosted on this podcast not too long ago to argue with them with them, and debate them, if any of them listen to this show, they will probably just be disgusted, like... Thinking that I'm some kind of like white guilt apologist or something, because I'm sitting (laughs) here laughing along with you as you disparage white people or whatever in white culture, and it's because they don't understand that white nationalism is not part of white people. Like you can be a white person and not be a white nationalist. I don't have to espouse white nationalism. I'm disgusted by white people who do because it is a far right fascist project, and it is like discriminatory. It's it is a death cult, and it needs to go away. And so I have no pride in. I have no ties to that. So like it it shouldn't be something that any white person has ties to. If I want to talk about my culture, like I'll go find like old Italian music from like the old country or something like actual culture, not like something that just has to do with a made up culture that was created here, made up of things that were stolen from other people. Like, I guess that's my attempt at making a short answer to that, that bullshit. But like, the point is, there is no anti white racism. It is anti white nationalism, which is progressivism, which is common sense, like, and anybody who tries to pull that card is doing so absolutely dishonestly or just so fucking ignorantly that you, you really shouldn't be bothering with them. But yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Sorry. You
2: know, when people say that type of thing to me, I just say, is this where you want to be when Jesus comes back? <laughs> <laughs> and that usually shuts them up. Yeah. But Circling back to that. Okay. Like I said, I have white friends. I have a lot of white friends. I'm surrounded by white people. One of my very best white friends, and he was a man to cishet, even white cishet man. And oh, I was right. complaining about something like I do. This was years before I had the radio show. So I was just was ruining parties. And he said, you know, Sophia, I am really tired of you disparaging my culture. I'm a white man and my culture mm-hmm. is to steal your culture. So get it." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh. At
0: first, at first I thought you oh. were going to say like, he's, uh, he was serious.
2: <laughs> no, I mean, I was just like, makes sense at that trapped. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so now, you know, I just kind of chalk it up as to white people, white people, But no, you know, again, my main issue is not with white people. It's with people who lack class consciousness. It's people who think, oh, because I work in an office, like these issues of class solidarity, this homelessness, police brutality, these don't affect me. No, they do. And until you open up your mind, until you radicalize yourself, until you realize and look around and see that these systems are oppressing us and maybe they're not oppressing you maybe the neck maybe the boot isn't on your neck as as hard as it is on mine Mm -hmm. but it's coming for you and until we open up our eyes and for me the right way to do land back is to be fat liberated disabled liberated you know an inclusive revolution that includes people of all colors all bodies all shapes and sizes because that's another thing that i'm finding with my own comrades of like having dismantled this fat phobia Fat phobia is intrinsically anti-indigenous, anti-black. And until we dismantle that, I feel like shitting on black people or shitting, excuse me, shitting on fat people is like the last socially tolerable group that we can marginalize. And like, no, like that's all of these things. We need to get rid of all of these trappings of imperialism and colonization. They're all toxic. They all need to go away. They're none of these are serving us, you know, and looking around and seeing like who benefits. From this archetype of beauty and what femininity is and this binary of gender, you know, Mm -hmm. because that's something I also don't buy into the gender binary because as an indigenous person, that's not something that reflects what I've been taught in the world that I live in, you Mm -hmm. know, so that to me is the right way to do it. The right way to be an ally is to really examine oneself and see because I'm going to be completely transparent. I really struggled with fat phobia. For a long time. And it's something I'm still trying to unlearn. I recently read a book by Aubrey Gordon called What We Don't Talk About When We Talk About Fat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just hearing about her experience. And, you know, I get some weight over the pandemic And I'm not even going to say like, not, it's not even a tenth of like a super fat or an infinity fat person. Like, I'm still within the the size guidelines of, you know, a normal air quote, normal body, you know, I'm still, I can easily find clothes. Okay. Not easily, but more easily than my super fat comrades. So uh, this is a very long winded way to say it's just like the revolution really does need to include everybody. Yeah. And until people are ready to really do that and do the work and like unpack this implicit bias, I don't feel like we are ready to talk. You know, you can't get to land back if you're still struggling with disability rights. Mm. You know, it's a baby step thing. So, talking about it's great. (laughs) That's a baby step. Baby steps to the revolution.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. So then that brings me to the next thing, which is that let's talk about what orgs people can join because that's what people should be doing, right? Is they should try to find like their local orgs. If there's a national org that is a land back related org that sponsors it. Do you know of any off the top of your head that they can join? Or if not, like, can our listeners reach out to you to find some if they, they might be interested in joining?
2: Um. Okay, so first, the first thing I'm going to say is what I would recommend, what I recommend to all non-Indigenous people is find out whose land you're on first. Mm-hmm. There's a number of websites. I don't know it off the top of my head, um, but I can get that to you and maybe we can drop it in the show notes. So just yeah. finding out whose land you live on. Who were the people that lived there first? And, you know, sort of just beginning to reconcile that history of just your own neighborhood. Because I feel like it's very, it's a lot to ask people to grapple with the bigger history of our countries and our nation states. Like, just kind of look into your own neighborhood first. Look into your own backyard. Find out who the tribes are in your area Because we're not a monolith. One of the things that I always do when I go, I do a lot of, you know, I do a lot of presentations about being Native American in America, Mm. (laughs) like, especially because I travel a lot internationally and especially like when I was in Romania, I was the only Native person that most of those students had ever met. Mm. And I got to say the disappointment on their face was palpable. Like, they're like, are you sure? Are you sure you're native because you don't look native yeah. <laughs> like well you don't look racist so funny how that works out and no i didn't actually i didn't say that to the kids i didn't say that to the kids no, i thought talking, it I'll sometimes yeah. I, well, that's just my quippy one-liner but uh, you know i can't it's annoying but i can't fault them for it because what have they seen as a kid in Romania? what have they seen about native americans they've only seen what they only know what they've seen in john wayne movies so yeah. You know, and there's a reason that those were called spaghetti westerns, because they were all fucking filmed in Italy. Mm -hmm. Like most of those native actors, they're Italian, they're not native. (laughs) That was the weirdest thing about being in Romania is one day I was walking, I think I was in, I was in Yash. So I was on the eastern side of the country. I was in Yash, which is right close to the border with Moldova. Mm -hmm. And I was walking down the street and all of a sudden I hear like this very stereotypical Carlos music and I whip a Yui and I look and there's some guy dressed up like a Native American and you know my nosy ass I gotta go over them like maybe he's my cousin let me go check it out (laughs) he was not he was not he was a fake he was a pretendian and I was just like I was so just like I can't fucking go anywhere I'm halfway across the world and I'm dealing with this shit I'm down in Brazil they have fucking dream catchers down here all the time it's like all right whatever i'm just gonna i'm just gonna lean into it and my husband's such an asshole <laughs> i'll be like
1: oh honey do you
2: want one of those authentic dream catchers it's like uh, i will murder you it's good. probably not because i need you to you know get my green card but um <laughs> afterwards once i got my card buddy watch out <laughs> oh yeah um what let me your languages Wow, you have have a really active feed. I see you have Chinese, German, Russian, Portuguese, Hindi, Irish.
0: Oh, I don't know how active those are, but like we have those as an option. I mean, so we have a lot of channels. I don't know how active all of them are, but we definitely have a lot of resources because this is what I wanted to do was compile a place for people to win (laughs) arguments online. So that's what we have here.
2: Okay, okay. I was like, this is like...
0: Anything really? related to like uh, socialism, it's all like most of those are collections of articles and resources and stuff like info. So
2: my nephew would love that. He's going through a Stalinism phase right now. Oh, I can't roll my eyes yeah, he, hard we
0: enough. We would, he, oh my, that, okay, you came on the wrong podcast, I think, unfortunately. So, no, I'm just but no, I mean we we we, uh, we jerk off about Stalin here all the time. That's oh, like, he's a, listen. Thing.
2: I jerk off to Stalin. Have you seen his <laughs> prison photo? Jesus fucking Christ! All oh, well, the things I would do to that face. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. unholy I'll put you in the gulag it's called my thighs respectfully <laughs> podcast waiting room just looking at the questions what is the wrong way to support decolonization we totally talked about that what's the right yeah. way follow me online at anger podcast or as yes, well
0: Twitter. okay so that I mean that, <laughs> that, that, I do kind of want to wrap it up but I think that's a good way to do is it. like we talked a little bit about what people can do in the right way and I think that's what people should do like and like you said. Look in your local community. Look at whose land you're on. And it could be as simple and mind-blowing as looking at a fucking map. It's crazy, but, like, when you just look at a map of your local area, you will see a lot of indigenous names. And then if you just look at those indigenous names, maybe Google them, see who they belong to, like, you will find out a lot about just the town that you're in. And then, who knows? I mean, there may still be some indigenous people of that tribe in your area left. You know what I mean? Like, there could actually be some descendants, and maybe they have an organization that you could reach out to that might be an easy way to find out about it. But I also do yeah. want to say, like, go ahead then. then yeah, go ahead.
2: Oh, yeah, no, in terms of national orgs, um, we have just, you can go to landback.org. And that is actually the Indian Collective that you guys mentioned earlier. I think Jared talked about it, or maybe it was in the article. That was the one that Jeffrey Bezos donated money oh, okay, to. Yeah. But it, despite the fact that Jeffrey Bezos donated to it, it's still a good org. Yeah. Um, so you can feel good donating to Land Back. Um, my personal plug, uh, you know, so like I said, I'm from Detroit originally, and the the organization that I always try to get people to donate to specifically is the American Indian Health and Family Services Center of Southeastern Detroit, because it's, um, it's an organization that has saved my life. They have mental health services, physical health services, spiritual services, like they offer a sweat lodge, and you know this is in Detroit, and my reservation uh the Saginaw Chippewa tribe is like three hours by car from Detroit where I was living, and I didn't always have a car so having that like center that urban center and that place where I could go and like be Indian <laughs> and, like let my hair down and have yeah. that was huge for me so you know uh that's american Indian health family services it's a i h f s dot org um, so that's my personal plug. Who I, my, you know, ah, you know what a great way, honestly, to help. I know we're all very anti Amazon here, but if you do have to use Amazon, sign up for smile donations. You purchase do smile, you know, look, capitalism sucks. All right. But like, anyway, we can get the money. I, I do sometimes have to use Amazon, and I have all my smile donations go to American Indian Health and Family Services. So once you find an org or also um, the St. Joseph Indian School is a popular one. I have a friend who works there as an art teacher and it is a residential school, but now it's been given back to the tribe and it's tribally run and tribally operated. And I know everything that they do goes directly to those Native youth. So just I will compile a list of my favorite resources to share with you in the next couple of days. But honestly, that's my my best advice is just to find out whose land you're on and kind of try and contribute directly to the tribe that's around you. Um, I think that's most effective. And, you know, obviously if there's a water protest, buy them a generator.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Even if it's on Amazon, like shit.
2: Right. Even if it's on Amazon, it's okay. (laughs) It's okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, no, I mean, let's have anything else. I was just going to start wrapping it up.
2: Oh, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I think I think I've probably talked myself angry enough today.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, you've probably heard at least a couple episodes of this podcast, I hope, and you know that that kind of oh, yeah. vibe. like we're we're all about that. Like, all we do is like doomer. We get angry. We just outrage about fucking capitalist hellhole that we live in. So, yeah, it fits right in. But I did want to say, like, you are more than welcome to come back if you ever want to come back, because. Um, I know that there is no shortage of indigenous issues that we could talk about. We could talk about MMIW. We could talk about the residential schools. We could just continue to talk about land back and decolonization or any other particular issues that you might want to talk about. Like, this was so much fun. You fit right in with us. So, yeah, please do come I back. I
2: would love you. to come back. Um, It's tough because I, I'm a teacher and, right. we I you know, with the time difference. But I'll have, this is so stereotypically resilient, I'll have time off at Carnival. Okay, nice. So maybe during Carnival I could get a hold of you guys. Well, we're
0: also pretty flexible, so whatever works fine.
2: Yeah. So, yeah, no, I would love to come back. And when I get my life more together, maybe I can have you guys come and yeah. do a podcast with me. I haven't figured out. It's weird because I've had a few people ask me about coming on the show, which I'm just like, oh, my God. I just thought I was shouting into the void. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like,
0: It's oh. weird when you find out people hear it, right?
2: Right. I was like, wow, people listen to me. Oh, this is so great. And I had someone ask me. And it's funny because it's someone I feel like I should know in real life and we probably do know, but I only know her now from the memes that we share, but she's got like perfect memes. She's like, hey, I want to come on your podcast. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know how to do it. But when I figure it out...
0: So then we'll just wrap it up there. I think we should have hopefully answered to the, our listener satisfaction. Most of the questions that we set out at the beginning. And if there's anything we left out, please check the show notes because I'm going to link that article because it is another good 15 pages of just talking about the land back issue. But I feel like, yeah, Sophia, you had more than enough to say, and I was more than happy to let you do it. So go ahead and plug <laughs> your podcast into social media again. So people can find you and hear you say more stuff about this.
2: Right. So if you feel like you just need more of me, which of course you do, obviously. Yeah. Um, you can find me on the internet. You can read my words at two sex Uh, it's two as in like too much, not to the letter. T-O-O. <laughs> and it's, it, you know, you can't see me, but it's two sex for context because I wear glasses. Mm-hmm. Some people are like, oh, like you just don't have any contacts in your email. I'm like, you're an idiot. No, it's two six for context <laughs> lenses. But that's what happens when you brand yourself as a teenager and then you get stuck with it. I've been doing this for twenty years now. I'm like, oh my mm-hmm. God, if I could go back, I would pick a different brand. But so if you want to read my blog, it's 264 six contacts.com. Or you can listen to my podcast. It's A-N-G-R-Podcast.com. You can also listen to me on Spotify, iTunes, Deezer, wherever you get your freshly pressed podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you can probably find mine. Just search A-N-G-R podcast with Sophia Syntax. I don't know why it comes up for Sophia Syntax, but not A-N-G-R podcast. That's really terrible branding and SEO
0: on yeah. my end. And it's syntax, <laughs> with two, syntax with two Xs, correct?
2: Yes, thank you, Mike. It's Syntax with two Xs because my Syntax is extreme. Hell yeah. I don't know what that
0: means, but it sounds clever, doesn't it? <laughs> no, it sounds like it's more uh, from the nineties kind of branding. I, w- I you know, I would pick a different <laughs> name. I would picked this name two, three years ago when I came up with the turn leftist. I don't I mean just fucking sounded good at the time. When I made an Instagram page and now I'm stuck with it, so whatever.
2: I was going through the comments on this one where they were like, is the turn leftist podcast cracking? And I was like,
0: Oh, okay, so I figured uh. out what that means. It's because I posted a um uh the the meme of the Mona Lisa as like a Gen Z and she was like looked all hot and then it's like I want to be Gen Z Mona Lisa which is so when they say that is the turn left is egg cracking an egg cracking like someone who is an egg is a person who is trans and doesn't realize that they're trans yet and so when they're saying like is the turn left is egg cracking they're implying like oh is the turn left is finally coming out as trans because I post a lot of trans memes like I have post a fuck ton of trans memes because I always like to show solidarity with our trans comrades or whatever but like I'm just a boring, straight white dude. I have a wife and kids. Like, I just, I am who I am. I'm not going to be trans. I just am going to always show solidarity because that's it. that's what I want to do. So, but, I mean, as much as I would love to be, like, some kind of uh, other sexuality or something so I could be more solidarity with our comrades and everything, it's just, that's who I'm well,
2: with. Well, I tip my hat that you even knew what that nomenclature, because I'm clear. I had to look true. it up. I had to look <laughs> it up. <laughs> like, I did, yeah, I wasn't hip to that. All I could think was, black don't crack. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, like, no, I, like, I didn't know what it meant at first. I had to, I was like, but now it's funny, so
2: yeah okay well and that's what actually i was like oh my god like your your fans are so much more engaged and like write paragraphs and dissertations on your meme pages and i'm just like oh my god are they gonna come for me are they gonna rate me for
0: phil no they're gonna love you
2: i'm not ready i'm not ready i mean i'm (laughs) such such a coward like i'm like friends and fans only can comment on my posts like i'm (laughs) not here for it no
0: No, i think it will be fine. it was I so think, bad uh, during the
2: election i got so bullied during the election because i was posting a lot of like you know leftist memes like yeah. i posted this one where it was like a banksy picture well you want Trump game? oh well no it was uh it was like anarch it was said anarchy means following black leadership and taking care of one another and it mm-hmm. was like the mom putting the kid in the punk like he's got the mohawk and then just wow the drugs of society really came out on that way and i was yeah, like yeah. after that i was like i'm closing comments i'm not policing this you don't pay me enough I'm not giving this free platform anymore of my labor <laughs>
1: Yeah. I,
2: but yeah um, so but if you want to give me nice things you can tweet at me at angerpodcast.com or at sophia syntax um i used to feel kind of weird online because i was like oh i really feel like you know, I need to post indigenous stuff. Mm. And then I was like, you know what? I don't need to perform my ingenuity or my indigenousness. I don't need to perform my Indianness. Like it's indigenous because I posted it and I'm an indigenous person. Yeah. Full stop. So, <laughs> but there are a lot of fry bread memes. So brace yourself. Get yeah. ready for that. You're going to get diabetes just from looking at my page.
0: <laughs> what fry bread?
2: I love fry bread. It's, it's, Fry bread, okay, this is the story I'm gonna leave you with because I feel like fry bread is part and parcel is sort of like symbolic of native culture. Mm-hmm. So fry bread is a food that is in no way healthy. And it came about because the United States would give these things called commodity boxes to households. And it would have like lard, fat lard and some flour, and you would get like a blocks of like the, the welfare cheese, and it was never anything good. It was never anything healthy. There was no fruits, no fresh vegetables, no fresh meat. But from these commodity boxes, Native American people started making this fried bread, which is just like a. It's kind of like an elephant ear. If you've ever gone to a um a fair and had like an yeah. elephant ear, it's like fried dough. It's basically um or if you've ever had papanash, if you know if you know any Romanians, you've had papanash. It's like a fried dough. It's mm. great. I love it. It is not healthy, but it's this delicious thing that all natives love. And it came about we made something great from the shitty leftovers that the government gave us. Yeah. And I feel like that is what it is to be indigenous in North America in a nutshell. Like we get the crappy leftovers and we always play. We bring it to you every ball. I don't know why you're gagging. <laughs> like, <laughs> they always have something great, but um, it might give you diabetes.
0: Wait, that was
2: not the moral I wanted to go with. <laughs> but, you know, you can fix it in post, whatever. No,
0: definitely, ah! yeah. no I remember hearing about fried bread, I think, again, on the Red Nation podcast, and they were describing it. And it sounded like you said it sounds very bad for you, but it sounds so fucking delicious because you you know what an elephant here tastes like, or fried dough, like,
2: yeah. Yeah, and, like, I, if you put some fresh strawberries and whipped cream on it, you get, like, fried bread, strawberry shortcake. Like, you know that mm. scene in Forrest Gump where he's talking about, like, Bubba Gump, shrimp, and oh, yeah. all the different ways that you can prepare. It. That's like what it is with fried bread. So you can have an Indian taco. You can have an Indian cheeseburger. You can have an Indian strawberry shortcake and all of it. You can have an Indian pizza. All it is is this stuff. It does sound pretty
0: bread. good. <laughs> it does sound it's good. Great.
2: It's great. I, I only get to eat it like twice a year. I I need to learn how to make it for myself, but I, I fear... That the universe might collapse if I'm able to just make fry bread whenever I want. Or maybe mm. not the co- the universe with my chair because my ass will definitely get super bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Woo-hoo>. <laughs> I'm going to just do, uh, we have a couple of plugs that I'm just going to wrap up with. I'm going to plug for, uh, so Jaren did his. I'll plug for Sterling. I'll plug the Twitter. That is uh, Turn his Pod. For uh, Ward, I'll plug his pages. Those are Millennial Leftist and Millennial Marxist. And then he's on Twitter at Ward Lolly. And then uh, Cosper's got their Patreon at patreon.com slash C-O-S-P-E-R underscore. And that's about it. Check out the uh, Now Showdown pod. Check out Caitlin's Jersey Corner, Left Shelf, the uh, of the Proletariat, and of our associated podcasts that uh, are frequent guests. And I think that's about it as far as like uh, our plugs are concerned. But yeah, I mean, Sophia, thank you again for coming on. This so much fun. I feel like this is a long overdue thing that I wanted to talk about. I mean... You can't like have a Marxist channel or any kind of like product in any way if you're not talking about indigenous issues and land back and decolonization. So, yeah, this is long overdue. And thank you for coming on and educating us about it, because uh, it wouldn't have felt right if uh, we just talked about it as a (laughs) bunch of fucking white dudes. So,
2: well, hey, it's my pleasure. And thanks for taking the first step, which is, you know, finding an indigenous person and like giving me a platform. I really appreciate you sharing your space and your time. It seems like you've got a really great community behind you. They're a little intimidating, like I said, when it comes to the dissertations that they write on the memes that you post. <laughs> but I'm here for it. I'm here for that energy. I love the discussion. So thank you so much for letting me come and be part of the the team. And hopefully I can come back in the future. So I will tell you the same thing I said to Jaron, which is Bama P, which just means until later.
0: All right, well I'll see you later comment. Right. Thank you again. Right. Appreciate it. Bye.
2: Bye.